Okay, so welcome back to another edition of the Nerdcast. My name is Dan Shessel, and on today's edition of the Nerdcast, we are talking with uh, Ryan Mitchell. Uh, but first off, we're going to... Uh, <laughs> I lost my spot. Uh, yeah. So the Nerdcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATV. Please feel free to head on over to Alberta Podcast Network for a list of amazing Alberta-made podcasts. We would also like to encourage everyone out there that if you enjoy this episode to share it with your friends on social media. This way we are able to help grow the community here in Edmonton and keep everyone up to date on the latest news and information regarding the geeky and nerdy people groups and events. Also, if you or someone you know would like to be featured on our show, please feel free to contact us over at northernnerdnetwork.com. Now, let's get on with the show. All right. So, like I said earlier, we are uh, here today. Uh, we have Ryan Mitchell joining us uh, on the Nerdcast. Say hello. Uh, hey, is my mic working? Yes. Oh, it is perfect. Uh, yeah, so I'm not Ryan, actually. I'm Ian Banky. Uh, Ryan's oh. my uh, partner. Yeah, he was setting it up. He's who you were talking to on uh, oh, email. Man. That's Oh, that's <laughs> awful. Yeah, no we worries. Should, well, but, uh, see, this happens too, too many times. I'm going to do this intro again. because. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's all good, man. Uh, actually, but now that we're on the topic of Ryan, he's actually in the YouTube comments. Uh, he's oh, He's over he? here as well, so... If you want to ask uh, the publisher any questions or anything, feel free to in the YouTube comments there. Awesome. Okay, so there we go. Uh, <laughs> so Ian then, right? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, we're so glad to have you on the show tonight. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about straight books uh, and some of the stuff that you're working on. But first off, we'd like to get to the soul of every person that we have on our show by asking them what you have on your geek shelf. So... Ian, what do you have on your geek shelf? Yeah, currently uh, my geek shelf is really a bookshelf. I have lots and lots of books, but I am currently reading Isaac Asimov's uh, Robots of Dawn, which is the third book in his robot trilogy, and it's pretty great. Uh, tell me a little bit about this robot trilogy, about this, uh, this series. Yeah, so Isaac Asimov, he was a really prolific science fiction writer that kind of started off in the 1940s and 50s. And on top of having a whole bunch of degrees, he managed to have a very robust writing career. And um, he has a few main series, with the robot series being one of the main ones. But over the course of 30 years, he kind of ties all of his books together. So he wrote a lot of the base books in the 1950s and then did sort of follow-ups or continuations of the series in the 80s. And the one I'm currently reading is one of the books from the 80s. But what he's doing with those ones, including Robots of Dawn, is kind of tying all of his writing over decades together and telling an entire fictional uh, future that covers like 2000 years or more. It's, it's insane. It's one of the That's craziest. Crazy. Yeah. It's really interesting. So it's, um, robots of Dawn unsurprisingly deals with robots, but it's, uh, at a point of very, very early space colonization. And he, he kind of throughout the trilogy goes to three different planets. And the first planet is earth and they hate robots. There's a lot of prejudice against them. They don't want them around at all. And in the second book, he goes to a planet where there's millions and millions and millions of robots and 
only a few thousand people and the people are just kind of infantile and always taken care of by robots. And the last book, Robots of Dawn, they go to a planet called Aurora and there's a healthier balance between the two and it's a more idealistic sort of uh, country or government. Awesome. Yeah. So what what got you into this series in the first place? Like, did you start all the way back um, throughout the whole series or you just kind of looked up the, the main three there? Uh, I, I kind of got into Asimov's writing with the Foundation series, which is a bit different than the robot ones. But I got into it while I was writing Future Fables and Strange Stories because um, I go to used bookstores a lot and I really like old sci-fi pulp a bunch and I was just uh, devouring it for a period of time and uh, I had a copy of Foundation that my dad gave me. It's this like beautiful 1970s edition with this really minimalist art on it and I was just in this 50s sci-fi kick and I picked it up and started reading it and it was about a, two years ago and um, since then yeah, I've been reading a lot of Isaac Asimov pretty pretty continually for the last like two years. I read a lot of other stuff as well, but I just like can't get enough. And then once I clued into the fact that he was writing this fictional future, it was just so mind blowing. And it's just uh, yeah, anyone who hasn't checked out Isaac Asimov, really really recommend him. He's easy to read, and his concepts are just huge and amazing. And yeah, there it's good stuff. That's awesome. So. Uh because we don't really, I usually have a co-host uh, on the on the show. Um, so I'm going to ask you a little bit. How has your week been? Yeah, it's been a super busy week. So me and my team here at Straight Books, we went to When Words Collide, which is a sort of writers and publishers conference in Calgary for three days. And uh, it was a very busy weekend. Met lots of people. Saw lots of great presentations. And then this week. Uh, we have a magazine coming out in September, so everyone's kind of full hands on deck right now trying to get that done. So it's been a lot of editing and writing and doing a lot of artwork. And yeah, it's been some some long days, but it's it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Uh, for myself, anyways, uh, we went to Animathon on the weekend. Uh, and if for everyone out there who is watching the show, I'm going to have that episode out for you guys uh, a little bit later on this week. Uh, I'm just kind of putting it all together. We, we went around and we talked to a lot of the various uh, artists and vendors. And not only that, we, we talked to some of the, uh, we talked to, you know, Brian Flowers from Tabletop Cafe because he had all the, he was taking care of the whole board game area down there. Uh, and so we talked to him about uh, that. Um, and the other thing about Animathon this year is that it's in a bigger venue. Uh, so usually it's at McEwen University, uh, and it's kind of just spread out everywhere. Um, and this year they moved it over to the Shaw Conference Center, uh, which is a, a, a totally different setting than, than they had for the previous amount of years. Uh, this is the 25th year for doing Animathon. And so it's it was a little bit different. They had a lot more vendors and a lot more... Uh, artists on site this this year uh, because they just have the space uh, and so it was pretty interesting to see how that kind of a change uh, for them and not only that we were able to get a little bit more of the behind the scenes kind of workings in that as well so uh, if you guys are interested that episode is going to come up sometime this week so keep your eyes eyes open for it uh, other than that that's pretty much what I've been working on it's been the summer it has just been so busy 
for people who are typically watch the show, as you can see, the, the, the background is kind of, I usually have this fancy background and all the other stuff going on. Uh, I am actually working in Fort McMurray this week. And so I am stuck in a camp and these are really paper thin walls. And I am so glad my neighbor on this side is on Nate shift. And this one, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he may come back at some time and have a shower. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, I think we should be fine though. He, he doesn't shower too late. Uh, so, uh, other than that, that's pretty much been my week. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a little bit crazy, uh, to say the least. Um, anyways, we're going to take a quick little break, uh, for the folks at home. Creative minds need creative banking. And that's why ATV created the branch for arts and culture. A branch that understands that artists don't live by the rules or standard pay schedules. So you can be creative and not have to worry about your checking account. It's a creative space for creative types. And it's just one more way that ATB will always be more than just a bank. And if you guys go and check this out, you guys can go to atb.com slash the branch. And you guys can find out more information on the branch for arts and culture. And if when you're there, you can also find out that, you know, it's not just in Edmonton. They have a branch down in Calgary as well. So if you are a creative type that's in the Calgary area, you have a bank just for you. So go and check that out. Uh, that is atv.com slash the branch. We are live uh, and we're here sitting with Aaron. Aaron. Ian. Yeah, Ian there you go. There we go. I don't know where Aaron came from. I just. You know, we Aaron, we actually have uh, a friend of ours. He he watches the show faithfully, um, and he's not here tonight, and I'm kind of sad. Yeah, uh, well, there you happens. go. It's on your mind, yeah. It happens. All right, uh, so we're going to be talking uh, about stray books, um, and and of, of course the book that you've been writing, uh, mm -hmm. or you wrote. Uh, so yeah. let's just kind of get into a little bit. Um, what is stray books? Yeah, so stray books is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time, pretty much as far back as I can remember. Uh, I've been writing stories and been a writer for a long time. It's what I did my education in, and um, I've worked as a freelance writer for a number of years, as well as a lot of other jobs. And I've worked with publishers in different capacities, uh, whether it was academic writing or in fiction writing. And I always kind of just wanted to start my own thing, just because, um, it would be fun. It'd be a bit more open and I could work with my friends. Uh, and I'm a big fan of music and particularly like old punk music and uh, the sort of culture around the do it yourself attitude where you saw so many bands like start up their own labels and stuff. Wanted to do that to the less exciting medium of books. Uh, so that was sort of the foundation of it. But that seed of an idea. Yeah, it's been with me for a long time, but over the last uh, year or so, different opportunities like sort of came up and some things went right and uh, we managed to get some financing and I brought in a couple of friends and now we do a lot of artwork and sell books and go to conferences and talk to people like you. Yeah, That's it's awesome. pretty great. I really can't complain. Yeah. Living the dream. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, uh, so when did, when did the, the, the love of books come into your life uh, growing up? Oh, that's something I really got to give to my mom. 
she she's an avid reader and she's always encouraged uh to me to read a lot my whole life and much to my chagrin as a kid um we used to have this like really stuffy living room that you would only ever go in for like holidays and stuff it had closed doors and this like certain smell to it it's a really uncomfortable sort of stuffy room and every night <clears throat> when i was little she would make me read for an hour and she would come and read as well and we'd read our own books and stuff but i did that for years and years and then uh, eventually it just really stuck. And I've always read, I've always written and wanted to do my own writing, but it's, uh, it's a lot of work to sort of develop yourself and to find that time and opportunity to get to practice a lot. But my love of books, yeah, I can't, I couldn't imagine my life without them really. It's definitely really foundational to uh, just what I enjoy out of being alive. That's awesome. So let me ask you, um, when was the first thing, like, can it, do you remember the first thing that you ever actually wrote? Oh yeah, totally. I think it must've been about five or six. And I wrote it on an old like DOS computer. It was all like orange bits and stuff. And it was the Mechano monster. And I had recently seen um, Terminator 2. Yeah. I remember I like my, my brother and sister were watching it and I like hid behind the stairs and it wasn't supposed to, but I watched Terminator 2 and then thought I had this like super original idea for this kid who was a bunch of Meccano and the Meccano comes to life. And it was pretty much the Terminator. And there was a lot of things in Terminator 2 I didn't understand, like the smelting plant at the end of it. Yeah. And I just assumed towns had local lava pits. So I had it in my ending that they get rid of the Meccano monster in the local lava pit. And uh, well, looking, yeah. What what town doesn't have a, lo you know, a local uh, lava pit? And if they don't, they should. Exactly right. I mean, it's just a natural solution when you have mechanical monsters. So. Yeah, exactly. If there's a possibility for mechanical monsters to come alive, it needs it, it just needs to happen. We need to have that in place. Yeah, machine uprising, boom! Everyone get local lava pits. Your problem solved. Exactly. It's just we all should just do it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, so you you wrote this book. Uh, did you ever did you ever share it with anyone, or just kind of lift it to yourself? Uh, well, I was writing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I always share my writing with a sort of handful of friends and family, and usually when I set out to write a story, um, I read this bit of writing advice in one of Kurt Vonnegut's books, where he really recommends that you kind of write to an individual person. So whenever I like set out to write a story, I have a friend or a family member I'm kind of writing it for, and I never tell them what it's about while I'm doing it. And once the story's finished, I always get them to read it, and I sort of gauge if it's good or not by seeing their reaction. And it's like, if I can't get the person I, in my mind, wrote this for to like it, it's probably not very good. So um, during the process of writing Future Fables and Strange Stories, there was a lot of sort of guest readers uh, on it, just who I wanted to share the story with, um, my spouse, uh, Valerie, much to her annoyance, I'm sure at times, I, I would just talk like all night about these different ideas I was having and stuff like that. Or I'd be writing all day and she'd come home and be like, let me tell you about this story. And yeah, but she's a good sport. She always entertains. So yeah, there's a lot of people that sort of knew about it kind of before it came out. That's awesome. So did... When you, you you say you write to like other people, um, mm -hmm. when you were writing your book here, who were you writing that one to? So it's um it's made up of thirteen separate short stories. So each story was for a different person. Um, 
some of them or there was uh, the third story in I definitely like wrote for my mom kind of um, it's not about mums or anything like that but there's certain genres and themes and stuff I know she really likes and I kind of wanted to go in that direction um, a lot of my like really close friends I, I wrote stories for and uh, yeah my partner Val as well there was a couple in there that uh, I kind of had in mind or she's who I had in mind while I was writing it it's always people very close to me though so so this is something that you've just always done is just always write to, to people. Uh, it was something I kind of picked up on later in life. So when I was first writing, it was a very frustrating process because I always had lots of ideas, but I could never really get them out or sound the way I wanted to. So I really just started trying to figure out how to write better. And that required a ton of reading. And some of my favorite authors put out really good advice while they were alive and um, writers always like to talk about writing, so that that's a good resource. And I just really looked at the people who were my influences and saw how they approached it. And some of the techniques work for me, some of them don't. But the one from Vonnegut about choosing to write for a specific person was something that really resonated. And I really only started doing that with uh, writing the stories in Future Fables. That's awesome. So you, you were just kind of mentioning uh, some of your influences. Who are some of those influences that you had in your life? Um, so in writing in general, there's like quite a few. I remember I was 16 and I read Fight Club for the first time by Chuck Palahniuk. And, um, I just didn't know people wrote books like that. <laughs> I didn't know they could use language in that way that they could really write with such a sort of edge to it. So mm -hmm. he was a really, really big influence and in just opening my mind as to what writing could be. And then <clears throat> Margaret Atwood as well. Uh, I absolutely love Margaret Atwood. I read like so many of her books and it's always really top quality. And she's really cool with how she uses grammar a lot of the time. She does some really cool things with punctuation and how she phrases sentences. And um, that was something I really took away from her as well as the ability to really empathize with people across boundaries. Because I read um, one of her books, Oryx and Craig, when I was 18. And uh, the protagonist in it is a male character. You kind of follow him from childhood and his teenage years and in his 20s. And that was the age I was when I read it. And I was shocked that this old lady could write such an authentic male character like that. So she really opened up my mind. Another Canadian, Douglas Copeland. And then in terms of science fiction, uh, definitely Kurt Vonnegut and Isaac Asimov and Theodore Sturgeon are probably the, my personal like big three. That's awesome. Uh, so let me ask you, um, what kind of like when you're when you're developing your your characters for your your various books, is there a certain way that you 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 build them out? Um, like, do you like what what kind of process do you have in behind every all of the characters for your for your stories? Mm hmm. So for the short stories, it's um, it's a bit easier because it's a short story. You don't have to flesh out the characters too much. So usually that and I just, I don't know, it's, it sounds weird, but they, they're just like kind of in my head. And the more I think about them, the more they kind of become fleshed out. But currently I'm writing um, a full length novel where characterization is really central to, to how the book is going to be structured. So I really want these characters in particular to sort of feel like real people. So my approach to that has been almost lunatic. Um, I really, really like doing outlines. 
So for this book, I've actually been writing out the two main characters year by year, every major thing or minor thing that kind of happens in their lives. And all that's not going to make it into the book. Only a very small amount of it will. But the idea is if I can really see them as real people, it should hopefully come across to the reader um, in the same way. So for them, yeah, that that's really, yeah, every year I just kind of, this happened to them and they met this person and led to this and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause we've had uh, various authors on the show before. And it, it seems like every time I kind of ask this kind of question, each person has their own special way of, mm-hmm. of that, that very question, right? Everyone has their, their way of bringing their characters to life. Um, and so it's always interesting to see how the various people um, on our show, like, how do you how do you do that? Like, how do you bring these characters to life? Because I mean, a lot of the a lot of time, that's kind of your hinge, right? Like, that's if you don't have a, a believable character in your story, it's everything kind of falls flat from there, right? So, it's uh, it's always interesting to see that kind of uh, view from from the various people that we have on the show. Yeah, like everyone is is so different about it, and that's like um. One of the big things with the arts that makes it so unique and special is that there is never really a set way to do something. And everyone sort of attacks it from their own sort of place in life, their own views and stuff like that. And no process is really superior or inferior to another one. Everyone's like so different. Some people can just sit in front of a computer and hammer out a story, but I write super long outlines that are almost like equations and take a really super structured approach to it. So when I'm sitting in front of the computer, there is no questions. I know exactly what I'm writing, but that doesn't work for some people. Right. And Mm. uh, it's a really cool thing about the arts in general. That's awesome. Um, So let me ask you, um, you guys have started stray books. Tell me just a little bit more about stray books. Like I'm kind of curious, um, what kind of like, what was the impetus to like start this? Like what, like, so the who, timing was crazy enough to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We definitely get that a lot, right? It's like, we live in the digital age and we're selling paper products. We sell digital stuff too, but our focus is definitely in print. Um, yeah, definitely. That's a, a pretty common reaction. I don't really blame people for it. Um, it's a few things like some of it's personal stuff, just really kind of working out really well. And other stuff, I think that this is a good time to start a different type of publisher because everyone sort of thinks that computers and stuff are going to super destroy printed material. But you just look at general sales numbers. They're not. Mm -hmm. There still is a market for it. It's a bit different, but there still is a market. And then you hear the stories of the really, really big publishers not being able to stay relevant and kind of going under. But what I see is we have all of this beautiful technology around us all the time. And you can use that technology to make producing physical products a whole hell of a lot easier, right? Like from digital art tools to typesetting tools to advances in printing, you can bring a book to market with way less cost than you used to. And the big publishers, what they're facing is that they have a lot of overhead. They have a lot of moving parts and um, a lot of expectations on them. But so if you downscale the whole model, it becomes more feasible. And that's mm-hmm. that's what we're hoping to do here. So it is by, um, instead of being scared of technology, we're really embracing it and just trying to use it to create a really classic product that people still love, so. That's awesome. Cause it, there's nothing like 
nothing better than having something physical in your hand, right? Yeah. Like I love a, a good book, but I I love the book, right? Like I love having that. I I've I've had Kindles, I've had all those, you know, and it, nothing can replace the actual feeling of having an, a a good book in your hand, right? Yeah, it is something like at one point I definitely tried out like the eBooks, but I found I just wasn't retaining or kind of connecting with it in the same way and that physical weight or seeing how people choose to uh, do typesetting and the interior design of a book to cover art and it's a whole experience, right? It's so much more than just the words on the page and in the digital world, that's like totally lost and mm -hmm. definitely eBooks came in and made a big impact, but now they're kind of the tides like pulling back in because I think people have realize that digital is great and amazing, but it doesn't need to replace everything that came before it. And a lot of things are easier on a, like a phone, like newspapers, right? Like you don't need a printed newspaper every day because you can get articles on your phone. But if you want to sit down and really connect with a, a good book, just the physical copy is totally the way to do it. That's awesome. Uh, so let me just let's go into a little bit about your your book itself you said mm -hmm. it's a bunch of short stories what kind of short yeah. stories are we looking at yeah so they're all science fiction uh some of them genre bend a bit but it really is a sort of throwback to the golden age of sci-fi pulp from the 1950s so in the stories they all kind of explore different sort of scientific um, sort of advances and how they interact with culture and the individual um ai is something that obviously comes up a lot in it as it's uh, very topical and um it kind of kicked off just because like i mentioned earlier is just really into reading old pulp sci-fi mm -hmm. and the golden age of it had such a weird setup to how authors were writing so there was a lot of magazines that sold sci-fi stories and they were really popular so it created a ton of opportunities for writers and for a period of time there pretty much anyone with a typewriter or an idea could sell a story. It was, it was a way to make a living that wasn't um, sort of pipe dream. And there was just this crazy influx of stories that were really wild. Like they were written under like tight deadlines. They were tackling really crazy themes because it was the post warriors and the atom bomb and space exploration and all this was on the public consciousness. And the sci-fi was just so cool. And looking at our time in history, we're living in this insane technological boom. And science fiction works as such a good sort of place in our culture to talk about this technology before it's at our front door. And um, so I really just wanted to emulate what those uh, writers were doing in the 50s. So originally I had written it under kind of different pen names that were kind of different personas for the stories. And I gave myself really insane deadlines. I was writing like a story a week and I wanted to really try to capture that environment and that frantic nature that the writers in the 50s were doing. And uh, I hope I did that. Um, and that's how the stories were kind of birthed. So it was the work ethic from the past with the topics of today, because I think more now more than ever, we kind of need science fiction. That's awesome. So let me just quickly uh, divert here for a second and ask mm -hmm. you, like, what was science fiction like why why do the the whole book in, in science fiction like what was that mm -hmm. what was um that yeah again it was just kind of I, I really like keeping up to date on like science and technology um i'm certainly not a scientist i don't have a science degree 
uh, my partner is uh, in the sciences. So her and I talk about just sort of advances a lot. We watch a lot of stuff on YouTube and just seeing what's kind of coming down the line. It was just so mind blowing. My mind just started spitting with the uh, possibilities of it. And then some of it was reactionary to some of the stuff that is just really commonplace. Um, so the idea of the evil robot, mm-hmm. I, I just think is done. It's done to death and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I don't understand um, why something that was smarter than us would sort of have that impulse. So I was like, why couldn't an AI be a lot more benign or like beneficial to humanity and you know want to help us out? So that's the theme and a reoccurring character throughout the short stories that I sort of wrote about was um, an AI that is very different and um, very esoteric in a way. Um, so that was something I wanted to explore. Uh, other stories in there kind of were just about different topics I like found interesting. So stuff with like GMOs and how that could affect people. And once we start genetically sort of engineering people, how would that enter the market? Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of stuff that's really fueled um, by dystopia, so evil regimes and this and that. But I find real life is a lot more gray than that. Um, so in my story about like genetically modifying babies, it's presented way more of a sort of sales and aesthetic thing. So this couple goes and visits a doctor and he's like a salesman. He's just trying to sell them on a package. And this family uh, realizes that they can't afford all these like bells and whistles because this is a very expensive thing. So the doctor offers them another alternative, which is to genetically make their child perpetually happy. So their life is going to be nothing but failure and like mediocrity, but they can make it happy. And so this couple has to sort of wrestle with that choice. So I really wanted to pull away from the sort of Hollywood, like uh, black and white dichotomy that we always see and sort of envision uh, a more moral gray zone about how these things would appear. That's awesome. All right. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to touch on about your your, your book and, and uh, straight books? Yeah, for sure. So we are um, going to be at the Edmonton Comic Con. You can check us out there. Uh, Edmonton we, Expo? Sorry. Yeah, the Edmonton Expo. Sorry. Sorry. I got my terminology wrong. Um, and we have, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, we have a magazine coming out in September. It's kind of, it's called Pulp Kings. Um, it's for Halloween, but we want to make sure that we have it, uh, for the expo in, um, Edmonton. And we've got some horror stories in there, uh, horror and sci-fi stories. One of them is by myself. We also have Randy Schroeder on there and Colin Lavery, as well as a lot of like really cool art in there. And... We also have coming out in the next couple of months a sort of uh, podcast of Future Fables and Strange Stories, where it's a narration of the story, so it's a, some cool background music and stuff. And um, yeah, we'll be doing lots of readings around Alberta, lots of signings, and it won't be hard to find us for sure. That's awesome. So where can people find you now? Yeah, the on social media, you can check us out on Instagram at, at @straybooksltd, all one word. Or better yet, if you feel inclined to read a couple of the stories or to pick up a copy of Future Fables, you can check out our website, which is straybooks.ca. And we're also in a bunch of bookstores um, in and around Calgary. And we should be in Edmonton in not too long, actually. So Awesome. All right. So uh, just quickly, I want to say uh, uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break here. 
uh, and we will come back with some of the events that are happening in around the city. This episode of the Northern Nerdcast is brought to you by the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Go and check out their website at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And if you guys don't know this already, which is kind of strange that you wouldn't, but if you do, if you're like a new listener or you're, you know, you're just kind of tuning in, um, guess what? We are one of those members of the Alberta Podcast Network. And so we really do encourage you guys to go and check that out because right now we have all the different podcasts because we have so many right now that they're actually in categories. That's right. So if you want to find out, you know, your entertainment, like your movies and arts and cultures and food, pop culture, those kinds of podcasts, we have them for you. Business and marketing, we got them. Education and self-improvement, oh yeah. Politics, social issues, we have a bunch of those podcasts. Sports, we got some hockey, some soccer, football. I mean, you you want it? We have it. We got even, you know... Stories and storytelling podcasts and technology and gaming. And guess where we are that, in that category. Yes, that's right. So if you guys want to check out some of the amazing Alberta-made podcasts that are just in this province, go and check out albertapodcastnetwork.com for the list of the most amazing Alberta-made podcasts. That's albertapodcastnetwork.com. All right, we're not doing the events. We're going to skip that. Uh, cool. And then we're just going to go into the ending. Uh, so pretty much, I want to thank you once again uh, for joining us today. Uh, it's been absolutely fantastic having you guys on. Um, and I'm I'm excited because you guys are going to be up in Edmonton. I'm sure we're going to see each other at the expo because I'll be kicking around there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going to... I'm going to come check you guys out. Everyone else should come check you guys out as well. Um, and where can people find you once again on the web, wherever? Yeah, you can check us out on uh, Instagram at, at straightbooksltd, all one word, and at our website where you can pick up a copy of Future Fables or just read some of the stories for free, which is straightbooks.ca. And awesome. uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's been a great time. Awesome. All right, so that is it. That is all. So this episode of the Nerdcast was recorded on August 14th, um, and you guys are able to listen to it on August 29th. Uh, Before you guys take off, though, I have some events that I want to go through real quick here. Uh, First off, we have uh, the Edmonton Expo, which is happening on September 21st to 23rd at the Edmonton Expo Center. This is the big, uh, you know, uh, pop culture event event that is happening here in the city uh and we got quite a few uh awesome guests already lined up uh for this event here and we got uh if you guys are a doctor who fan uh you guys have got to be super excited because they have david Tennant, uh matt smith john barrelman he's going to be making another uh return to the expo uh so i mean that's just to name a few um but we even if you're not into say doctor who there's still star wars we got ray park you know uh, uh darth maul that guy yeah uh how about data brent spiner from the next generation uh i mean there's so many cool uh awesome guests katie sackoff uh from Battlestar. you know 
You know that girl? Yeah. All right. So, but I mean, there's there's just so many awesome guests this year. So I want I encourage you guys to go check that one out over at EdmontonExpo.com, uh, and you know get your tickets now because I mean <laughs> it's going to be an awesome time. And like I said, we are going to be kicking around that place. We're going to be doing some awesome stuff there. So uh, I, we even have a panel uh, with Edmonton Nerdlist, Kelly Frost, uh, called the Edmonton Nerd Networking. Uh, so go and check that out. Come see us. We're going to have a great time. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. On September 2nd, Edmonton LGBTQ Coffee Meetup is happening at the Gamers Lodge. Uh, so if you're part of that community, I would encourage you guys to go check this out. Uh, and this is happening, I believe it's every every Sunday. Uh, and this happens at 2 o'clock. And so, you know, uh, go and check that out if you guys are interested in that. Uh, and there's also, on September 6th, uh, they have a Combat Archery Edmonton Open House. Uh, so, you know, uh, if you guys are interested in, uh, you know, combat archery, it's kind of like paintball, but with bows, bow and arrows, uh, it looks like a lot of fun actually. Uh, and this is the reason why I'm kind of bringing this one up. Cause I mean, it looks kind of awesome. So go and check that out as well. Uh, I did try not too long ago. I, I went to, uh, the star Wars, uh, VR experience over at the, the West Edmonton Mall, um, the rec room there, and my goodness, my oh, I I would I'm gonna take a little bit of time, uh, another time here to talk a little bit about it. But my goodness, it was incredible. Uh, I would encourage everyone out there if you guys are into Star Wars, go and check it out. It is so good, uh, especially if you guys are into VR, because this is 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 next level stuff. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, it, it is a little bit pricey, but it's definitely worth it. Uh, but this one also, I just want to just encourage everyone to go and check this out. Uh, Combat Archery. And this is happening at 81-8128-46th Street, Northwest Edmonton. Uh, happening at some t- on September 6th at 6 o'clock till 10 o'clock. Uh, tickets are on Eventbrite. Uh, so just check out uh, Combat Archery op- Edmonton Open House. Uh, and you know, well, maybe we'll have some the links for this one uh, in our uh, description as well. So uh, go and check that out. Okay, so we want to thank everyone out there who listens to the Nerdcast to share, if you can, to share it with your friends on social media. The Northern Nerdcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by TV, and is produced by myself along with Chelsea Thompson and Trina Schessel. You can also find more information on the Northern Nerd Network uh, by checking us out on our Twitter at Northern underscore nerd or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Northern Nerd or on even YouTube. We have a new YouTube page where you guys can check out our uh, live streams, uh, our videos. We got lots of stuff that we do up on there. So go check that out on youtube.com slash Northern Nerd Network and on our own very own website, northernnerdnetwork.com. So that's it. That's all. That's all the time we have for this week. I want to thank everyone once again for listening to this edition of the Nerdcast. And I'll see you guys on the next one.